You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC 262 event, which takes place in Houston, Texas. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC 262 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired on UFC Fight Pass, ESPN+, ESPN, and Pay-Per-View this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a lightweight contest featuring Sean Soriano, who is 14-6, and and Christos Iagos, who is 18-8. Now, Nick, where did this fight open? And how has the public shifted things so far? As always, a couple quick shout-outs and info before we get rolling here. First off, the opening odds that I will be quoting are market opening prices, and they are available to check out at MMAOddsBreaker.com. Just click on the UFC 262 opening odds article done by Adam Martin to check out all the market opening prices. Now, the updated odds are courtesy of Circa Sports. Check out CircaSports.com, and if you're in Nevada or Colorado, make sure you log on and get the Circa Sports app to get all your UFC gambling needs fulfilled. Of course, all sports in general as well. Circa Sports is the place to bet on sports and the UFC. Also, check out UFC Fight Pass for UFC on the line for UFC 262. We did our show. All of my official plays are up on that show, so it's definitely worth a look. And I appreciate your support as well. It's a pretty exciting show. We love doing it. And I think you guys will enjoy it if you haven't checked it out yet. So head over to UFC Fight Pass and click on UFC 262 on the line. Now getting right into the fights. Yagos open minus 225. Soriano at plus 175. And right now currently at Circus Sports, um, we're looking at Yagos coming in at minus 215. Soriano at plus 185. So market tightened up a little bit, a little bit more dog action. Coming in, I think, in some spots. Um, at Circa, it's a little bit balanced. Nothing crazy so far to report either way. I think this is an interesting matchup. I mean, both these guys are definitely solid. Um, Soriano bouncing back and forth between featherweight and lightweight. Of course, he's taking this fight on short notice, so this is a lightweight matchup. Um, Soriano is an excellent striker, so Giagos has to be careful and respect the power and ability that Soriano has on the feet. He's very technical. He's very precise. He's capable of doing damage on the feet. Giagos isn't bad um, anywhere the fight takes place, to be honest with you. I think he's the more well-rounded mixed martial artist. His striking is decent. Uh, it's probably a little bit underrated. Uh, he pushes a fairly high pace. He has some decent wrestling. He's got good grappling ability as well. Uh, both of these guys have a tendency to slow down as the fight progresses, though. So that's going to be interesting to watch, especially with Soriano taking this fight on short notice. But I just think Giagos is a little bit ahead of the game and ahead of Soriano as far as his complete mixed martial arts game. And I think it's going to show here. He'll be able to outpoint Soriano because he'll close the gap a little bit, kind of, I think, control where this fight takes place, outpoint Soriano as the fight progresses on the ground and on the feet a little bit and probably edge out a decision or possibly find a stoppage if Soriano does slow down in round two or round three. I wouldn't be surprised if Yagos ends up finishing this fight, but I think he edges it out. It'll be a close decision if it does hit the scorecards, but it's Yagos's fight to win or lose, in my opinion. So the pick is Yagos. I'm going to... Come in on Giagos as well. Uh, I like him quite a bit here. I think this guy is uh, rock solid with his stand-up. He looks like he has really come into his own since his return to the UFC. And with Soriano, um, while he has had some success outside the UFC, that first UFC run was a bit of a disaster. I mean, he came in as this 7-0 undefeated prospect and he went 0-3 and washed out pretty quick, getting finished twice in that stretch. Uh, now, granted, he did face some pretty talented fighters during his run, some good veterans. Um, but uh, it just was not a strong performance. And granted, it was, you know, six years ago. So he's had a lot of time to improve and learn. Um, but even outside the UFC, he did lose three times, all three times by finish. So, 
Um, while he has won three in a row to earn this opportunity, he is stepping in on short notice. So not a lot of time to prepare. And he's not taking on a bum. I mean, Kiagos is pretty rock solid and uh, has won, I believe, three of his last four fights. So uh, this is a tall task. I mean, if he was taking on somebody at the bottom of the barrel in the lightweight division, I'd say Soriano had a decent chance. But uh, Soriano, considering, you know, he used to fight at featherweight, I think he's just going to get outmuscled here by Giagos, who is one of the bigger, stronger lightweights in the division. And, uh, you know, Giagos, I think, is going to be able to outstrike him here. And it seems like Giagos has also kind of fixed some of his issues with uh, takedown defense. So I don't think that Soriano can utilize his ground game here. So I think Giagos outpoints him on the feet, maybe even finishes him along the way, um, and just wears Soriano down with his size and strength. So Giagos is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Kevin Aguilar, who is 17-4, and four, taking on Tucker Lutz, who is 11-1. and one. Now, Nick. What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Aguilar open minus 110. Lutz open minus 110. Exactly a pick type of fight. And right now, as we're looking over at Circus Sports, it's currently minus 130 for Lutz. The comeback in Aguilar plus 110. Market-wide, we're seeing some 20s, 25s out there. It looks like some action starting to come in Aguilar's way. Maybe a little bit of steam coming that way. Look, Aguilar is a very good fighter. I mean, solid takedown defense, a heck of a striker, powerful on the feet. The guy can get into war and just deliver an exciting fight. And usually the people on the other side of it uh, take it like the worst of it, put it that way. I mean, this guy is very underrated. He's been in some wars as of late, especially. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, the, the fight with Rosa, that was just a fun fight. It was a back and forth kind of crazy battle, good striking matchup. Uh, but he took some punishment in that fight. He, get, he got knocked out by Tahugov the fight before that. And that Ige fight was a classic as well. So to me, that's my concern with Aguilar here because he's been in some very difficult fights and fun ones. But, I mean, he's taken some damage along the way. So at this point of his career, I think that's going to kind of hurt him. Uh, Lutz, on the other hand, has been a little bit fresher. I mean, I like what I see from him and his contender series fights. Even before that, if you look at some of the footage on this guy, this guy's the real deal. He's got good wrestling. He's got good striking ability as well. He pushes a very high pace. His conditioning seems to be in check. So I think he's going to try to mix everything up, try to steal a takedown or two along the way. It's not easy uh, taking Aguilar to the floor and holding him there. But I think, if anything, Lutz could possibly do it and, and try to, like I said, maybe steal some points doing it that way. But his footwork and I think his power on the feet – and his quickness and the ability to kind of land on Aguilar as this fight progresses is going to be probably what edges him out and wins a fight for me. So I think at this point, Lutz is the younger fighter. He's a fresher fighter. I think stylistically they match up really well, and I'm expecting a very competitive fight. So I think a pick type of line here is kind of fair. Slight lean towards Lutz. I think minus 130, minus 125, 130 is probably right because, again, he is the fresher, I think, younger fighter. So I think he should be the slight favorite here. But this is going to be the toughest fight of his career. Make no mistake about that. So tough one at the betting window, but I think I'm going to slightly lean towards, again, the youth and the fresher fighter here with Lutz and get the W here. And I like Lutz as well. I mean, this guy has won 11 consecutive fights. He won back-to-back fights on a contender series to earn his opportunity in the UFC. And Aguilar, you know, after a pretty decent start to his UFC run, it seems like he is just running out of steam a little bit. I mean, he went from uh, picking up back-to-back wins over Rick Glenn and Enrique Barzola to... You know, losing a war to Dan Ige, getting finished by Tahugov, and then getting outstruck on the feet by Charles Rosa. And, you know, say what you want, but that should not have happened. Uh, if, if he was going to lose to Rosa, he should have been out grappled. But uh, maybe that was just stuck in the back of his mind. But um, now that he's taking on Lutz, uh, Lutz is definitely a really talented grappler, good offensive wrestling Aguilar has shown good takedown defense, so um, if Aguilar can keep this upright, this does get interesting, but you also have to factor in that Aguilar's already lost to somebody that I think is a worse striker than Lutz in Rosa, so 
Um, I think if Lutz cannot get the takedowns going and this is forced to be a stand-up kind of brawl situation, it is going to be very competitive back and forth and could go either way. But even if that happens, I still like Lutz because I think he's fresher here. He's coming in with that youthful exuberance. Um, he is, you know, a, a pretty good striker. That's definitely not the strongest part of his game. So, again, Aguilar is going to have a, a pretty good chance if it stays upright. But if you factor in that Lutz can mix in takedowns, and if he can get Aguilar down, that absolutely puts him over the top for me. So, uh, the fact that I can see Lutz winning a close stand-up fight and also winning if he gets takedowns and puts Aguilar on his back, uh, I have to go with Tucker Lutz here. I think uh, he does get some success in his UFC debut. Now, dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Gina Mazzani, who is 7-4, taking on Priscilla Cachoeira, who is 9-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Mazzani, minus 300, Hashuera, plus 250. And right now, over at Circus Sports, we are currently seeing Mazzani coming in at minus 225, Hashuera, plus 195. So, line did drop from the opening price, Hashuera, plus 250. It's kind of sick, to be honest with you. Of course, you got to take that underrated fighter. Um, I think in her UFC career thus far, I mean, she comes in in her UFC debut and only takes on Shevchenko, right? She steps in on short notice, faces, the, in my opinion, the best pound for pound fighter on the planet and ends up taking the uh, loss there, getting finished or whatnot. I mean, it, it, the UFC definitely did not do her any favors by that fight, right? Then she comes in, faces Sarah McMahon, the fight after that. She's just, she's been in some very difficult matchups for her to start her career in the UFC. Not, you know, defending her by any means, but I'm saying her losses weren't necessarily that bad. She's coming off of a pretty solid win over Dobson to get her first win in the UFC. So I think she's got some confidence coming in here. And we know she has some power in the feet. She's getting better. So she's definitely a knockout type of threat fighter at 125 for sure in the UFC. Now, Mazzani, on the other hand, continues to improve, man. I think she's the more well-rounded fighter for sure here because her stand-up game continues to get better. Um, she had a pretty solid win over Ostevich for sure in her last fight. So I think that goes a long way here. And her wrestling and her takedown ability and her ground game is definitely better than Kashera here. So I think she is the better mixed martial artist. She deserves to be favored in this fight. I also like that Mazzani is training with James Krause and crew right now in Kansas City. So she made the jump and joined that team, which is having a lot of success. And James Krause is one of the most talented and underrated coaches in the game right now as well so i think he's done a lot of good for his fighters and most of us that are watching the sport on a consistent basis can see that so um i think that she's made the right choice there and i'm expecting her to be even better so i do lean her way at the betting window it's a little tough though i don't know if i would lay minus 200 to be honest with you or anything above because i think if mazani cannot get the takedowns and and just kind of make this her type of fight Casuera can't have some success on the feet and make this uh, a very difficult fight for her. So this is going to be interesting. I'm very intrigued to see how this plays out because I think both of these ladies are consistently improving. I'm going to lean towards Mazzani, but again, at the betting window, it's tough. I wouldn't lay the chalk. And I'm going to go with uh, Mazzani. I, I really do think that she is better suited in the, the flyweight division. I mean, she spent so much time in her career at Bantamweight. And this time around, she seems like it's clicking for her, dropping down to the, the flyweight division. It, it's worked for her so far. And I think uh, also that Mazzani is just a little bit better overall. I mean, Kashuera is one in three in the UFC and her one win is over one of the, I would say, lower tiered uh, fighters in the roster. And Kashuera also is, in my opinion, uh, just not that skilled. Um, she does have a puncher's chance here. She showed in her win against uh, Mazzani that she has power. So there absolutely is uh, a chance for her to pull this off, basically. But I just think overall that 
uh, Mazani is the, the more skilled fighter and Mazani can win this fight, uh, with takedowns, with submissions, with ground and pound, maybe even in the clinch and on the feet. But, uh, with Kashiwera, I think she only wins this if she gets it, if she lands that big shot. Cause we have seen Mazani get finished, um, pretty quickly a couple times. So, uh, if for some reason, um, Kashiwera clips Mazani, she can win, but I think the most likely outcome here is, uh, Mazani, you know, winning a decision, winning by submission, just doing her thing. So I like Mazani, uh, quite a bit actually. And, uh, she is going to be my pick. Now, sticking with the flyweight division, we have Andrea Lee, who is 11 and 5, taking on Antonina Shevchenko, who is 9 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Shevchenko, minus 150, Lee, plus 120. This line skyrocketed up to around 200, then it dropped all the way down to where it is right now, over at Circus Sports, minus 120 for Shevchenko. The comeback... Andrea Lee, even money. So everybody in the planet on Lee right now, sharp action coming in Lee's way, public action coming in Lee's way. Not much love for Shevchenko here. Look, we all know that, I mean, Andrea Lee's always in competitive fights. If it hits a scorecard, it's going to be a split decision type of fight. It seems like he fights at level for competition. Shevchenko is always in competitive fights as well. So uh, this should be an interesting one if it hits the cards to say the least. I think Shevchenko will probably be able to control this fight, keep it upright, and outpoint Lee, though, a little bit. I mean, Lee is definitely a well-rounded fighter. If she gets top position, she gets this fight to the floor. I think her jiu-jitsu game is a little bit ahead of Shevchenko at this point still. I think stand-up-wise, Shevchenko is a little bit more of the sniper, a little bit more technical, a little bit more, I think, keen on the feet, if that makes sense. But Lee's game, it's going to be back and forth. She'll have some success on the feet as well. And I think on the ground, Shevchenko is improving big time of course training with her sister pound for pound i think the best female fighter on the planet uh, valentina that is of course uh, so that's going to rub off on antonita as well and i think that you know she benefits greatly from having you know one of the best fighters on the planet um, training with you all the time so that has shown and, and her game is definitely progressing her wrestling's getting better her jujitsu game is getting better as well so i think people are doubting her too much in this spot here i mean again i'm expecting a competitive fight so i get why everybody gobbled up that plus money um you know so i understand that the value is long gone now though i think there's some value opening up possibly answer chenko at this point so for me I think it's a favorite or pass situation. I'm going to lean with Shevchenko. I'm going to go against the public green. I think this fight probably hits the scorecards, and she's going to outpoint Lee and win a unanimous decision. A pretty close one. Might be a split decision. We never know with these judges, of course. But either way, I think she wins 29-28 on the scorecards in a competitive decision. So my pick, Shevchenko against the public and sharp action coming in on Lee. And I'm going to go with Shevchenko as well. Um, I think that Andrea Lee is a really talented fighter and she is more than capable of winning fights in the UFC, but it seems like she sometimes just can't get out of her own way. So I'm going to side with uh, Shevchenko here. I think that she's going to be the better striker and it seems like she's getting better. Whereas Lee just loses split decision after split decision. There's indecisiveness with her. Um, it can just honestly get really frustrating with, uh, with Lee. So I'm going to side with, uh, you know, somebody that I feel like is still improving in her MMA game in Shevchenko. Um, now she's not at that same level as her sister, clearly, but I think that she does keep this fight upright. And I think that she is able to, uh, outpoint Andrea Lee, who already has been outpointed by people with worse striking than, than, uh, than Shevchenko. So the only thing that really concerns me in this fight is the fact that Lee is a, a decent ground fighter and Shevchenko did get dominated on the canvas in her loss to Chukagian. So 
if for some reason Lee can get this fight to the floor and utilize some superior grappling, then she does have a path to victory. But uh, I think the most likely outcome here is uh, Shevchenko keeps this upright. Um, Lee is not able to, to wrestle. And I think Shevchenko outpoints her, maybe even finishes her along the way. So my pick is going to be Antonina Shevchenko. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Jamie Pickett, who is 11 and 5, taking on Jordan Wright, who is 11 and 1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Wright opened minus 120, even money. Right now, circa, Wright is minus 120, even money. Pickett did flip to a slight favorite. Now we're getting action back on Wright, so this is a fight that. It's getting two-way action. What a crazy fight, man. I mean, honestly, I can't trust either one of these guys. It's just what we've seen from them. I mean, durability is definitely a, a concern. Wright's only officially been knocked out once, but look at that contender series fight, and that's a couple times. Um, it's not really obviously reflected on his record, and defensively is where it's a concern. And again, that chin is not good. And he gets clipped, he gets hurt, he gets put out. So right offensively, he is definitely slick on the feet. He's got that karate style that can be very effective and he's accurate with his striking and he's, he can be a finisher for sure. So offensively, he's pretty fun to watch. I give him credit for that. Um, obviously, he's got a bit of a ground game and he's a well-rounded mixed martial artist too. Training with you know Jackson and crew for a while, I think that only benefited him quite a bit. But still, you can't fix a bad chin so to speak, and defensively flawed that he is. I think Pickett, even though he's not somebody that you would consider a real huge threat on the feet, I think his power and his striking is good enough to possibly catch and do some damage on right along the way. I also think Pickett can mix in some takedowns and try to get this fight to the floor and utilize some grappling here. He's got to be careful because Wright does have some submission ability, but I think Pickett will mix things up enough. I think his takedown defense is improving constantly as well. So I think this fight probably ends up being kind of a striker versus striker matchup with these guys both attempting some takedowns along the way. Um, kind of neutralize each other out there, and then somebody's going to land and put each other out. So I think one of these guys is going to win by TKO. I'm going to lean with Pickett because I think he's a little bit more durable. Um, you know, But again, not a confident pick here. I think Pickham is about right. I just wouldn't bet this fight unless you're getting a decent price money plus tag in front of one of these guys. And I don't think that's going to happen because there's just too much of a question mark here on either side. So for me, I'm staying away from it. It should be an exciting fight because I think there is going to be a knockout type of finish. I'm going to pick Pickett to get the win here though. And I'm going to come in the other way. Uh, Jordan Wright is the more talented fighter between the two of these guys. Uh, Pickett has shown that he is a bit limited so far in his UFC run. Uh, he did win on his contender series fight, but Enchukwe won a decision against him. And, and Enchukwe really is not the decision type of guy. I mean, and I think what happens here is uh, most likely Pickett gets outpointed by, by Wright or he gets out wrestled by Wright. Um, I do view Pickett as a guy that is more likely to utilize his wrestling in a fight, but I think Wright is the superior grappler of the two. So if it goes to the floor, I think Wright is in control. If it's on the feet, Wright is in control. The only thing that really scares me is the fact that Wright has his issues with durability. I mean, he's been finished time and time again. So there's a very realistic chance that he gets finished in this fight. So I'm going to side with Jordan Wright, but I'm going to be nervous the entire fight because we've seen uh, Jordan Wright get clipped and finished on Contender Series, even if that did get overturned, and we saw him get clipped and finished by Buckley in the UFC. So I, I, I totally view Wright as the better fighter, but he could get knocked out. So I completely understand why Nick is going with Pickett, but Wright is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Mike Grundy, who is 12-2, taking on Lando Veneta, who is 11-5-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? 
Grundy opened at minus 135, Venetta at plus 115, and right now looking over Circus Sports, it is currently Grundy minus 125, Venetta plus 105. So not much craziness as far as line movement goes here. I think the opening price was about right, and you know it's it's kind of staying ballpark there. It's it's a tough one because I think again Grundy has shown a lot. I think his high level wrestling obviously is there. It's on point. I mean he's a grinder. He's very successful getting the fight to the floor and finishing his opponents more times than not. Once he does, he's got some power on the feet. His striking is constantly improving. I mean he, he suffered you know a setback in his last fight um, against Evloev, but I tell you what, that is not a bad loss. I think Evloev is obviously. Um, one of the best fighters in the weight class right now, up and coming fighters, potential future um, title contender at 145, of course. So that's not necessarily a bad loss. And I think here he's kind of taking a step down. Veneta, though, on the other hand, presents some problems. He's got some really slick striking. He has some power. He's kind of got an unorthodox way about going with his striking, with his angles that he utilizes in his kicking game. It's pretty fun to watch this guy, too, and he had he can't have success. He's got a wrestling background in his own right. Uh, his takedown defense is actually okay, but in a situation like this against grinders and wrestlers that can and want to take him to the floor, he's been susceptible to some takedowns. So I think this stylistically, even though he is dropping out 145 pounds, which should be interesting for sure here, I think this is going to be a tough fight because Grundy is going to push that pace. Now, Grundy does start to slow down a little bit. Both these guys do start to slow um, as the fight progresses. So it's going to be interesting to see who has more gas left in the third round because it could be one of those fights where it's one-to-one and the third round wins this fight. But I still think that Grundy probably does enough to, to win on the scorecards here and maybe even finds a finish along the way. Veneta's very tough to stop. Um, so I think it probably is a scorecard type of fight here with Grundy kind of edging out a grinding, grueling, tough, competitive, back-and-forth, hard-fought battle, hard-fought victory for Grundy. So close fight. The odds indicate that as well. I think it probably plays out that way, and I'm going to pick Grundy to get the W here. And I'm going to go Grundy as well. Um, the main thing for me is the fact that Lando Veneta is dropping down to the featherweight division. He's he's typically fought at lightweight throughout his UFC career. And while I do think that uh, maybe this could be a positive for him, uh, Grundy is a tall task for your UFC debut. I mean, this guy is... Uh, a really talented and uh, dangerous fighter to be uh, making your debut against. Um, Grundy is uh, a good wrestler, uh, a very above average wrestler. He should be good enough to take Vanetta down if he can get his hands on him and close that distance. And on the feet, while Vanetta is definitely the superior technical striker, uh, Grundy is not a bad striker. I mean, he actually... Uh, has shown some pretty decent striking ability in his fights and uh, has shown some above-average power. So uh, there's a very realistic chance that uh, Vanetta gets clipped along the way, maybe even finished. So uh, I think that there are several good options here for for uh, Grundy. So uh, my pick here, uh, while I would not be shocked to see Vanetta get hurt uh, or start strong in this fight. I think even though Grundy has had his conditioning issues as well, um, the most likely outcome in this fight is that Vanetta starts strong, fades, and Grundy takes over. So my pick is going to be um, Grundy. I think that he does get the victory here. So uh, whether it's by decision or maybe a late finish with uh, Vanetta fading, but uh, you know, keep an eye out for this one with a live betting odds. Cause if Vanetta starts strong, um, it may be a good live betting opportunity to get Grundy at big plus money. So my pick is going to be Grundy. I think uh, the second and third rounds will be his. Now, moving on to the preliminary card headliner in the middleweight division, we have Jacare Souza, who is 26 and 9, taking on Andre Muniz, who is 20 and 4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Jacare Souza, minus 120. Andre Muniz, minus 
even money, 100. So basically a pick-up type fight slightly in towards Jacare Souza. Right now it's Jacare minus 125, plus 05 on the Munez side. side excuse me. So line basically staying the same. Two-way action is coming in this fight as well. I mean, it, man, Jacare in his prime would definitely be a bigger favorite in this spot. He is the better mixed martial artist, more well-rounded. Jacare has underrated stand-up. He's got some knockout power. He's been in there with such great competition. It's just his durability. I mean, Father Time catches up to us all, right? And I think he's facing that for sure. He's coming off that devastating knockout loss to Kevin Holland, which was just craziness the way that kind of played out, right? I mean, it's kind of sad to see him get knocked out that way. So for me, even though he's facing Muniz here, and, and Muniz is not exactly um, a huge threat on the feet with his striking, I still don't trust Jacare's chin, man. I think it's only going to get worse. He's 41 years old. He's been knocked out, I think, four times in his career. And it's not going to get better for him with him getting older and coming off that devastating knockout loss. So I think Munez can maybe possibly check that chin on the feet. I mean, his power is there, even though he's not a great striker. He does have enough power on the feet to do some damage, I think, along the way. He throws a, a pretty decent high kick with, from that southpaw stance as well. So he could do some damage that way. But this fight probably will play out on the ground, or at least these guys are going to attempt to get this fight to the floor either way, because that's what they do best, right? They're, this is a grappler versus grappler, high-level grappler versus grappler matchup i mean two of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners that the ufc uh, has on roster for sure these guys are elite elite on the ground um so it's going to get interesting here and again jacare in my opinion is the better jiu-jitsu practitioner too but at 41 years old he's going to be a little bit slower on the ground than Muniz is so i think Muniz has a slight edge as far as the ground game goes in 2021 over jacare because again father time catches up with us all and even you know, his skills there, but it's, he's just going to be a step slower. So I'm leaning Muniz in this spot. I think he is, again, the younger, fresher fighter, even though he's been knocked out throughout his career. And I don't really trust his durability that much either. I just still think the 10 year age difference here and the stylistical matchup, the way it should play out, I think Muniz is going to get some timely takedowns. I mean, I think we've seen Jacare kind of struggle, especially that Hermanson fight on the ground. I think Muniz is going to try to replicate a lot of that and might have some success doing so. So for me, this is a good spot for Muniz to come in here and get the best win of his life. I just think that the best days for Jacare are kind of done. And I don't know. I'm, I'm just not so sure he's going to have a lot of success moving forward in the UFC. And, and that's tough to say because he's faced the best of the best. And even on this little skid that he's had, I mean, it's against high level competition. So maybe I'm writing him off a little bit too soon. Um, and I wouldn't be too devastated if I'm wrong here, meaning that it's always good to see Jacare Souza win. So I wouldn't be kind of that upset, but I still think I have to lean Munez here and, and go with him because I think he probably does get the W here. So my pick is Munez. And I totally understand picking Munez. Um, I'm with you that Jacare's days, best days are behind him. 100% agree with that. Uh, the difference though is I think um, Jacare still has, uh, you know, a little bit left in the tank to be able to pull this out. Um, Jacare, while flawed and, you know, nearing the end of his career, he still has, uh, the ability to, to win this fight. I legitimately believe that. Um, he is, uh, one of the best grapplers in the middleweight history. He is, he is one of the uh, more powerful strikers still. I mean, power is one of the last things to go. And he should have a significant striking edge, I think, in this fight. Um, Jacare, you know, his last one of his last wins was knocking out Chris Weidman on the feet. So he is still more than capable of holding his own in a stand-up fight and against somebody like Muniz, who is a very talented grappler, but I would say below average striker, uh, Jacques Array actually should have a decent stylistic matchup here because, you know, Muniz, almost all of his wins are submissions. And is he really going to be able to out-grapple Souza, um, who has spent his whole life grappling? Um, I'm not that convinced. Uh, I do think that Moon is, is going to be in the UFC longer than Jacare at this point. But in terms of stylistic matchup, I actually like Moon is here. Or I mean, uh, Jacare. I think if it stays standing, Jacare can knock him out. We've seen Moon is get knocked out twice during his uh, MMA career and even in his 
uh, fight against Arroyo, he got rocked really badly. So uh, I think that he can hold his own in terms of the ground. And in the stand-up, Jacare should be able to knock him out. Um, this may be the last time that Jacare ever wins in the UFC, but I think he legitimately has a good chance to pull it out. So my pick is going to be uh, Jacare Souza, perhaps picking up the last win of his UFC career. Now, moving on to the main card, we have a featherweight matchup featuring Shane Burgos, who is 13 and 2, and Edson Barbosa, who is 21 and 9. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Burgos open minus 120, even money on Barbosa. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Burgos minus 140, plus 20 on Barbosa. A little bit more actually coming in Burgos's way. There is some love on Barboza. Of course, there will be. I mean, the guy is one of the best strikers ever in the history of the UFC, the history of MMA. This guy is just such a great, technical, effective, beautiful striker to watch in the octagon. I mean, he, throughout his career, he's just awesome. I mean, especially his kicking game is it's just a thing of art to watch. I mean, like I said, his leg kicks, his body kicks, his head kicks. I mean, the way he mixes up his combinations is fun. He's just an elite level, accurate, devastating striker. So that's what you got to love about Barboza. He delivers time and time again. And since he's dropped down to 145 pounds, I'll tell you what, the Ige fight, a lot of people felt he won that fight. He can easily have gotten the scorecards there. And then Amir Khani, obviously, was a pretty good win for him in his last fight as well. So Barboza looking good at 145 pounds. For me, it's the durability that concerns me with Barboza throughout his career. He's only been knocked out three times. I understand that. But he's been rocked in more fights than that, um, including, you know, obviously a couple of his uh, submission losses or whatever. So Barboza does get clipped. Burgos hits like a truck. I think he's, he does have that one-punch knockout power that could be very effective in this spot. And I expect these guys to kind of have a firefight. Even though Barboza is the more technical striker, I expect Burgos to be the more durable of the two here. And I think it is going to turn into kind of a firefight because these guys, these guys both like to stand and bang. Both of them have a little bit of a ground game. Obviously, Barboza um, doesn't utilize as much, as much as Burgos does in the past. But I think Burgos here is going to want to test that chin of Barboza. And I think he's going to probably land and get it done along the way. So I think he, the timing is right for him. He's the younger fighter here. He's getting Barboza at the right spot. And, and I think it's going to be the best career win for Burgos as well. So I know that's going to kind of be a head scratcher to most, but I think stylistically, this is a pretty good fight for Bur Burgos to get, especially like I said, in 2021 um, with, with Barboza not getting any younger, even though he's looked good as of late, I don't think he's done. I don't think he's a shot fighter by any means, especially what he's looked like recently. But I just think at this level, Burgos is going to probably be a tough matchup and it's not going to be a good night for Barboza. So I like what I see from Burgos. I think he's going to bounce back from that Emmett loss and get back on track and get himself right back in the title mix with a solid win over Barboza. So my pick is Burgos and I think he probably gets it done by knockout. And I'm going to come in the other way. Um, basically, Burgos has already shown that when he faces a uh, good quality strikers, he can get outstruck. Uh, he is a talented striker and he does have, uh, you know, some good volume. But, uh, like I said, we've already seen him get outstruck and finished by, uh, Cater. And then in his last fight, he got outstruck and almost finished late by Josh Emmett, losing decisions both times. Um, and those were, I would say, the two best strikers he's faced so far in his career, maybe other than, you know, Cub Swanson, who is starting to near the end of his career. So uh, I feel like Edson Barbosa is the best striker that he's faced yet. So against Barbosa, I really, you know, think that he's going to be in some trouble. Um, Cater is... Uh, a, a talented, or I'm not Cater, but uh, Burgos is a talented striker, and he absolutely can win this fight. But uh, against somebody like Barboza that can just wing it with volume, with accuracy, precision, I mean, just you name it, he can do it. I think um, the most likely outcome here is uh, Edson Barbosa outpointing Burgos over the course of 
three rounds and perhaps finishing him along the way. So my pick is going to be Barbosa, and I think that he wins in impressive fashion. So my uh, and possibly moves himself into that title mix in the featherweight division. Now, dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Caitlin Chukagian, who is 15 and four, taking on Vivienne Araujo, who is 10 and two. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Chukagian, minus 135, Araujo, plus 115. And right now looking over at Circus Sports, we are currently seeing Chukagian coming in at minus 140, Araujo, plus 120. Not a lot of action on this fight. Um, it's kind of been two-way, steady, nothing crazy to report as of yet. Not a lot of sharp action either way either. I think it's going to be a competitive fight. Another ladies' fight that will probably hit the scorecards that will be a 29-28 type of decision win here. Rajao, I think, wants to get this fight to the floor, get top position if she can. She's got good jiu-jitsu games. She's got some power on the feet, though, as well. And her striking has been pretty decent overall. I mean, she did get outpointed by Jessica I in that fight. And I think Chukagian can do the same thing and replicate that, to be honest with you. I think Chukagian is the better point fighter in this spot. I think she can utilize her footwork, her angles, her speed, her length, and probably land a little bit more efficiently and steal this fight because I don't think Arajao can get this fight to the floor. Chukagian's takedown defense is a bit underrated at times, and I think in this spot she could probably keep it upright or even possibly utilize her offensive takedown skills, which we've seen come to play against Ravchenko, which was kind of a shocker to us all because she didn't really do that uh, before that fight. But now we do know it's in her tool bag, so to speak, and I think she could kind of pull it out here. So I think it's her fight to win or lose, to be honest with you, and I think she's the rightful favorite. I know a lot of folks are going to be kind of, I think, hopping on the Arajal train. I think as we get closer on fight day, we might see this fight drop, the line drop a little bit, because I'm expecting a little bit more dog action coming in that way. But I don't think it's going to be right. I think Jukagian does enough to get the W here and probably win on the scorecard. So my pick is Jukagian by decision. And I'm right with you. Um, I also view Jukagian, uh, you know, she can be up and down in uh, the UFC. I mean, we've seen her at her peak, which I think was the win over uh, Antonina Shevchenko. Uh, She looked great. She, uh, you know, did not look overwhelmed on the feet. Uh, Her ground game looked as good as it's ever looked um, with the wrestling. So, you know, she is a relatively complete fighter. Um, The problem is that I think what happens is... She does have her issues with, you know, people that can overwhelm her in terms of skill, like a Valentina Shevchenko or somebody that can take the fight to her on the feet, like Jessica Andrade. Now, Araujo, she's not as aggressive as Andrade, and she's not as skilled as Shevchenko, who was able to dominate her on the ground. Um, so I think what happens here is Chukagian holds her own on the feet, mixes it up, She's not the most skilled striker, but she is active and throws with a lot of volume. So, yeah, I can see Chukagian scoring takedowns repeatedly and uh, earning uh, a decision with her wrestling. And maybe even Chukagian getting a finish along the way if uh, she can dominate the ground. But I just don't think Araujo throws with enough volume for her power on the feet to, to, to matter. So... Uh, I see Chukagian winning a decision as the most likely outcome here. Now, moving up to the Bantamweight division, we have Matt Schnell, who is 15-5, taking on Rogerio Bontorin, who is 16-3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Chanel open minus 125, Bontorin plus 05. And right now what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is currently Chanel coming in at minus 165, Bontorin at plus 145. So more love on Chanel, some sharp action coming in as of late on Chanel as well, uh, driving that price up a little bit more. So Chanel's looking pretty good, man. I'll tell you what, impressive win for sure in his last fight over Nam. I think that this guy, we, we always knew that he had the offensive skill 
to have a lot of success in the UFC because his striking is not bad. As he, again, he displayed against Nam in his last fight, but his ground game is really slick, man. He's got such an effective grappling ability with his jiu-jitsu skills. Even off his back, he can submit you, um, obviously from top position as well. So he's a lethal, lethal type of submission artist for sure. And he you know, catches most people on the ground if they tangle with them there. So he's got the ability to finish fight anywhere. His conditioning seems to be okay. It's just his durability, man. That chin is not good. He's been clipped in several fights, been hurt and knocked out three times in his career. I just, that is my biggest concern. Bontrina on the other side of it. I mean, he is coming off that devastating loss to Car France. He was doing really well in that fight, hurt Car France early, jumped on his back, almost got the submission win, burned me because I had Bontarine in that fight. Um, and he just didn't come through, obviously, with credit car France for taking advantage of Monterey slowing down a little bit towards the end of that round and just unloading and getting a W there. So that is concerning for me with Monterey on that end because, I mean, this is a short-notice type of fight for him as well. So his gas tank, if it's not up to par, even though this fight is going to be at 135 pounds, um, so he's not going to have to take that devastating weight cut or whatever on short notice. That should help him a little bit in, in the regards to – you know, his physical ability on fight night, but still, I mean, that is definitely a concern. So this, if it turns into a striking affair, I think you have to worry about either chin holding up here, but I think I trust Bontarine's chin a little bit more than Schnell's. Bontarine does have some power on the feet. He's a little bit underrated in that aspect of things as well. So I think he can't clip Schnell and knock him out if he gets the opportunity to do so. I also think he's the better wrestler and, and that the grappling is going to be interesting though, because I think it's one of those spots where both these guys are capable of submitting the other person. So if Bontarine hops on Chanel's back, I think he can get it done here. He can get a guillotine choke, that sort of um, aspect of things. He can get it done. Chanel, on the other hand, of course, you know, he's got sick guillotine chokes. He's got the ability to, again, to throw up a triangle, whatever the case may be, and maybe possibly submit uh, Bontarine. So this is probably going to end in a finish either way. I don't think it does hit the scorecards. Um, if it does, it probably is a very close split decision type of fight as well. So to me, it's a dog or pass situation. I understand the sharp action, and you got to respect it coming in Chanel's way. Um, but I don't think you can lay chalk in this fight. I don't think the durability and the defensive or lack of defensive skills from Chanel is worth trusting in this spot against a, a savvy, solid fighter like Bontarine here. So my pick is Bontarine, and it's a dog or pass situation in my opinion. And I totally get it. I mean, Bontarine is a dangerous, talented striker. Uh, the guy is more than capable of getting the job done there. Um, the problem is that uh, I think Bontarine uh, is going to get himself in a little bit of trouble here. I mean, uh, he is stepping in on about relatively short notice. That's why this fight is taking place at Bantamweight instead of Flyweight. Um, but uh, I think more often than not, uh, the thing that really makes this fight interesting is the improvements that Matt Schnell has made. I mean, he's on a bit of a roll here. He's won like four of his last five fights. Um, when he's used the ground to win his last fight, he actually stood up with a very dangerous, powerful striker in Tyson Nam and held his own. So I think this guy can, uh, go in and perhaps win a stand-up fight. I think he also can win if this fight goes to the floor. He should have, uh, he's better than Bontarine off of his back. He's better than Bontarine if he's in top position. Uh, Bontarine is capable on the canvas as well. So, uh, Schnell can't completely, uh, you know, let this fight go there. But, um, I honestly legitimately believe that, uh, Schnell can win this fight anywhere. The only thing I'm nervous about is the fact that, uh, Schnell is a bit chinny. And that has cost him throughout his career. So uh, I think this fight is going to be very interesting, but I'm leaning uh, Matt Schnell. I think that he does get the job done. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division, we have Tony Ferguson, who is 25 and 5, taking on Benil Dariush, who is 20. Four and one. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? 
Ferguson minus 125. Dare use plus 05. That was the opening price market wide. And in Circus Sports right now, we have minus 170 dare use to come back on Ferguson at plus 150. So those of you guys that hopped on the plus money or anything below the current market price right now, hats off to you. I think you made a great bet. I think you're probably on the right track. Win or lose, I mean, you got to take the value there for sure. So like I said, great bet. That being said, stylistically, this is an interesting fight, man. Is Ferguson done? I mean, that's the question here. Coming off two back-to-back losses to great competition against Oliveira and Gaethje, of course. Before that, he rolled off all those quality wins. He was top of the food chain, lined himself up to be the number one contender. Arguably, a lot of people believe that he was the best lightweight in the world at one point, possibly. You know, I mean, hey, make no mistake, Khabib is the king of the lightweight division. We all know that. So, uh, But it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see that fight play out, especially in their more in their primes or whatnot. Now, Ferguson, I don't think he is in his prime, though. That beatdown that he took from Gaethje was just devastating. I do a show with Brett Okamoto and James Krause on ESPN, and it's worth checking out because James Krause definitely touched on the fact that he thinks the Gaethje fight impacted Ferguson's career in a negative way. I mean, the beating that he took was not a good one. I mean, it does. Fights like that affect the longevity of your career, and it's not a good thing. And I agree with him. I think that that was just a devastating fight for him, and I don't think Ferguson will quite ever be the same after that, especially at age 37. And stylistically, this is a tough fight for him, too, because Darius brings a lot of the same problems that Oliveira did in the last fight. Obviously, Darius is actually a little bit, I think, more of a one-punch knockout threat on the feet, too. So it's not just the ground game that you have to worry about here if you're Ferguson. It's actually in the feet as well. I mean, I think Darius can land some punishment on the feet. I think Darius can mix in some takedowns, control the wrestling aspect of things. I mean, this streak that Darius is on, you got to give him a lot of credit, man. I mean, he's worked his way back up the ladder, and I think that this guy is legit. I mean, the only issues I have with him sometimes is that durability on the other end of it. He has been knocked out three times, and he does tend to slow down as the fight progresses. But this is only a three-rounder here. So in three rounds, I think his conditioning will be okay. I think he will likely be capable of defending himself well enough and mixing in the takedowns to stay stay safe and not get his chin checked in this spot as well. And I think he has the ability to possibly finish Ferguson in this spot or at least grind him out and get the W on the scorecards here. Um, You know, so I think he can win this 29-28. It might be competitive. I think Ferguson might steal a round, but I think it's Darius's fight to win or lose, honestly. And I think it's a favor to pass situation at the betting window. Now, you got to be careful as this price creeps up towards 200, of course. I mean, it's all about pricing, so... If you miss the boat, I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing to, to hop on that train now at a worse, way worse price. I'm not saying that. I just think Darius can win this fight, and he should win this fight at this point in their careers. I think Darius is um, the younger, fresher fighter overall, and I think he probably shows up here and, and just does – the best that he's ever like, as far as picking off the win, picking off a caliber fighter like Ferguson, this will be the marquee win of his career. And he will propel himself in line in the title mix. At least. I mean, he's definitely going to take a big step up towards title contention after a win over Ferguson. So we'll see how this plays out. I think this is a good, very good fight and a very good uh, potential win for Darius here. And I'm going to pick him to do so. And I'm right with you. I think that Tony Ferguson, while his run at the top was incredible. I think that perhaps his time has come at this point. Uh, he is a guy that is uh, perhaps on the decline. Now, his two losses are to two of the best guys in the lightweight division. No, no doubt about it. So I can't hate on him too much here. But uh, you have to also accept a little bit of reality in that, uh, you know, Tony Ferguson is, uh, you know, getting older. He has taken an absolute beating, as Nick mentioned, uh, in his uh, losses. And after all those wins in a row, after, you know, winning from 2013 all the way to 2020, you know, these last two losses, he did not look like the same guy. Now, Benil Dariush, on the other hand, is fighting at perhaps the highest level he's fought in his entire career. And he was in a situation where he was having to reevaluate things with a really rough three-fight stretch. And it seems like he has come out the other side. So in terms of uh, what these guys are capable of, I have to side with... uh, Benil Dariush. I really legitimately think that Dariush is uh, the superior 
fighter at this point. Uh, his ground game is as good as Charles Oliveira's. His wrestling is better than Charles Oliveira's. And uh, so he could dominate this fight on the ground. And Darius is no joke on the feet. So I think uh, what happens here is um, Darius gets uh, this fight to the ground. And I think he can control it there. And I think on the feet, he's not going to be uh, overwhelmed. Like, uh, you know, we've seen uh, Tony Ferguson struggle a little bit in the standup. Uh, now, he did have his moments against uh, Gaethje early. And we have seen Darius slow down in fights. So there is the possibility that Darius starts strong here and fades and Ferguson takes over. But... Uh, I legitimately think that, you know, this is a huge opportunity for Darius and he's going to rise to the occasion. Uh, Ferguson does still have power and he could knock Darius out. We've seen Darius have some issues with durability in the past as well as the conditioning. So this is not by any means, you know, a blowout one-sided type of fight, but it could be if uh, Darius gets everything rolling with his grappling, with his striking, with his confidence. And I do think that he is fighting very confidently right now. So I'm going to go with Darius. I think he can win uh, a decision and maybe finish Tony Ferguson as well. But you got to be careful because if Darius starts to lose some steam, uh, Ferguson could take over and Ferguson does still have that scary power. But Darius will be my pick. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening for the vacant UFC lightweight championship, we have Charles Oliveira, who is 30 and 8, taking on Michael Chandler, who is 22 and 5. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? Oliveira opened minus 178 to come back on Chandler, plus 146. Right now, what we're seeing over Circus Sports, minus 145 for Oliveira. The comeback on Chandler, plus 25. It was just down to minus 130, plus 110. Now we're starting to see some buyback and some action coming in Oliveira's way after the price drop, of course. So there is a lot of two-way action coming in this fight. Early on, it was Chandler. Now we're starting to see Oliveira. There's going to be a lot of sharp action on both sides of this. A lot of opinion, decent opinions on both sides of this as well. So... What a great fight, man, for the lightweight scrap. I mean, Khabib stepping out of the way, um, retiring as one of the greats of all time. I mean, definitely the lightweight king. There's no question about it. But these guys are deserving of stepping in there and, and fighting for the belt, I think. I mean, because both of them have shown as of late, especially Oliveira, making this crazy run that he's on. I mean, he's been wonderful. He's been amazing. He's been fun to watch. I mean, his finishing ability is like no one else, I think, in the lightweight division. I mean, he's just such a slick offensive grappler with those chokes that he has from any position. He doesn't really have to even get the fight to the floor. He can submit you with a sick choke standing up, up, you know, against the cage. He takes your back, even if it's not on the ground. Um, just so many different ways he can submit you. It's so sick and it's so fun to watch him do his thing, right? And then on the feet, he's getting better. He's getting more effective. I think he's sitting in the pocket better. He's getting a little bit mentally and physically tougher. So there's a lot to like about Oliver here. One of the most dangerous and capable finishers in the whole sport, for sure. The other side of it, though, Chandler, man, I mean, he's looked great. I think, I mean, obviously, stepping in, a lot of people were doubting him against Hooker. They thought that, uh, you know what? Chandler was great in Bellator, but now he's stepping into the UFC and he's he's not going to be able to deliver. Well, he's motivated. He's looked great. I mean, just destroyed Hooker. This guy has done that time and time again against decent competition. I mean, I understand, you know, everything, every organization outside of the UFC is not the UFC. The UFC is definitely the best and the highest level in the world. Uh, but that being said, Chandler is capable. And I've always felt that he was capable to compete at this level. Uh, in fact, at one point, you know, even though he wasn't on the roster, I really thought he was the best lightweight on the planet. I mean, that was a few years back, and I think he is kind of, you know, he's reached his point where he was kind of up and down a little bit after that. But I think he's in a good spot right now mentally, physically in his career. He's taking everything serious. He's highly motivated. And again, the devastating one-punch knockout power that this guy has. And he's just a slick, smart striker on the feet. And of course, he's got that wrestling ability to dictate and control where the fight takes place. If he doesn't want the fight to go to the floor, oftentimes you're not getting him down. So this guy is just ultra slick everywhere the fight takes place. Knockout power, a threat. Tough matchup, honestly, for Oliveira. I mean, Oliveira wins this fight if he's capable of hopping on Chandler's back, I think, maybe utilizing an angle and, and just, you know, trying to sink in that rear naked choke or 
something along those lines as quick as possible. I think he could possibly maybe do that. I think, um, you know, maybe catches, you know, hits him with a knee on the way um, into the clinch or something or during an exchange. I could see that kind of playing out, but I could also see Chandler just dropping Oliveira and putting him out. So I think you got to chase the plus money in a spot like this. It's a dog or pass situation, especially when the line's rising back up now. A lot of disrespect on Chandler's end. He's got enough knockout power and the capabilities of winning this fight and winning the UFC title. So I'm going to pick Chandler. I think he gets it done. I think he gets a finish. I don't think this fight hits the scorecards. I think either way, we're going to see a highlight reel type of finish, and it's going to be a fantastic fight. So the pick is Chandler, and it's a dog or pass situation in my mind. And I get it. I mean, Chandler had an incredible UFC debut uh, with that victory over Hooker. Um, I mean, honestly, you go back and rewatch that fight. It was genius what Chandler was doing. Um, he was pushing forward, and he kept starting with a, a, a right hand of the body and never followed up with it. It was just lead right hand of the body, lead right hand of the body, and Hooker got used to it, and then boom, like fifth time he threw it, he went lead right hand of the body, and then pow, left hand right to the jaw. Hooker's hands were down, he was not anticipating it, and it clipped him, and it set up the finish. Um, but also, if you watch that fight, Hooker was fighting scared. It was weird. Um, it's just, that's not how he typically fights, and... I think uh, Charles Oliveira is going to be uh, bringing it in a completely different fashion. I mean, he's this is going to be, you know, two guys absolutely going at it here. Um, Charles Oliveira, I think, is the more well-rounded of the two guys. Uh, he has shown a massive increase and improvement in his stand-up ability. I mean, not just in his striking technique, but finishing ability. I mean... He went from a guy that was, you know, one of the best submission specialists in the UFC to somebody that was lighting people up with his stand-up, uh, you know, knocking out Nick Lentz, knocking out Jared Gordon, um, and then uh, while still possessing the the ground game to choke out Will Brooks, Clay Guida, Giagos, Jim Miller, uh, and then most recently Kevin Lee. So... Uh, and then in his last fight against Ferguson, he showcased um, some of the better offensive wrestling to, to be able to get the takedown, get that fight to the floor, and then dominate on the ground against uh, a very capable, well-rounded fighter in Ferguson. So uh, I think Charles Oliveira is fighting at the best level he's fought in his entire career. Now, in terms of what's going against him, there's a couple things. I mean, he is still... Uh, durability is a, a question mark. I mean, we've seen, uh, him, you know, almost quit in fights where he started getting hit and hurt or things weren't going his way, like against Paul Felder or Anthony Pettis, Max Holloway. Uh, granted, you know, that was four years ago. Maybe he's a completely different guy at this point. I mean, he is looking dominant during this run. Um, We've also never seen him in a five-round fight, and he has slowed down at times in the past. Um, so if, say, he has not been able to take out Michael Chandler, what happens in those championship rounds? Is he going to be able to dig deep? Um, I don't know. Um, but uh, we do know that Chandler can go five rounds. I mean, he was the Bellator champion. And you also got to factor in uh, the the Bellator champion uh thing uh we've seen multiple guys come over from bellator at this weight class and have success uh already so you know eddie alvarez came over and became the the ufc champion um it wasn't bellator but you know outside lightweight champions have actually had a lot of success in the ufc uh whether it was ben henderson becoming the lightweight champion anthony pettis coming over from wec becoming the lightweight champion so um, it's, it's been pretty interesting to see so many have success. I mean, what's interesting is the guy that actually was, uh, more successful against Chandler than anybody else in UFC history, uh, you know, completely flopped in the UFC with, uh, Will Brooks. So I don't know. I mean, maybe Chandler, um, that first fight against a uh, hooker, maybe that was the best we'll ever see him, but, 
Uh, it's totally possible that he comes in here and flatlines Oliveira and becomes the, the lightweight champion. But uh, I think the most likely outcome here is Oliveira actually surprisingly holds his own with Chandler on the feet. And then I think Oliveira can get sneaky with something on the ground as well. Um, you know, Chandler does not usually have a lot of people try to take the fight to him on the ground. And I think if there's anybody that can do it, it's Oliveira. So, um, I think Oliveira has more paths to victory here. The only thing I'm worried about is if Oliveira starts strong, can't get the finish and fades late, mainly because the lack of championship round experience, but Oliveira is going to be my pick. So... That'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC 262. If we have any free plays to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOBPremium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send your picks. Just send a message to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.